the health and wellness world is full of conflicting information, old research, and one-size-fits-all dogma that leaves people feeling lost, confused, pissed off, and frustrated. I'm here to help you solve the complex world of nutrition one conversation at a time by breaking down complex yet helpful concepts into easy-to-understand pieces with actionable tips and tricks. I'm your host, Kate Kroll. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and truth seeker. I've worked with hundreds of clients over the last five years, and I'm so excited to share my knowledge and resources with you. Aside from nerding out on nutrition and empowering others to take charge of their own health, I'm also obsessed with entrepreneurship, self-improvement, sustainability, and living a life full of intention and authenticity, all of which we'll toss into our conversations here on the podcast. So sit back, grab a cup of your favorite kombucha, and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to episode 13 of the podcast, where I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Kelly Blodgett, who is a holistic biological dentist in Oregon. He is a native to Oregon and attended grade school through high school in Southwest Portland. He earned his bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Oregon and completed his pre-doctoral sciences at Portland State University. He then went on to attend the OHSU School of Dentistry and graduated in 1999, where he earned the Going the Extra Mile Award from his own classmates. Throughout his career, he's become a recognized leader in minimally invasive dentistry, dental lasers, computerized dental technology, and holistic care. He has been featured in numerous dental journals, on television, and in magazines for the innovative care he provides, and he is truly a modern pioneer in progressive dental care. I'm so grateful to have him on the podcast and super excited for you guys to listen in on a massive, massive piece of looking at the body as a whole that is often overlooked. Dental care and holistic dental care specifically is extremely important to looking at systemic inflammatory issues, stealth infections, and plenty of other things. So without further ado, here is my amazing interview with Dr. Kelly Blodgett. Well, thanks for being on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have you, very grateful to have you. And um, a lot of listeners had a lot of great questions, so I'm really, really excited to dig into who you are, what you do, how you do it, why it's important, and how so many people can benefit from uh, biological dentistry. So thanks for hopping on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kate. I appreciate it. I'm excited for our time. I know. Me too. Me too. Well, let's start with what exactly is biological dentistry and how did you get involved in it? Yeah, good question. Um, the, I, I like to try to put things in as simple a fashion as possible. And, and the way that I would describe the differences between what we might call traditional dentistry or, you know, how I was trained in dental school uh, and, and the way that we practice today, you know, what I was taught in dental school was much more of a symptomatically driven process, right? We were taught to look for symptoms like, are your gums bleeding? Do you have holes in your teeth? Uh, you know, and the, the treatment was, drill it and fill it, right? Uh-huh. Um, what, what biological dentistry encompasses is really looking at the system that led to the symptoms in the first place. So if we understand what is going on with a person's health systems, then we can better understand how we can create actual prevention you know, and, and focus more on health facilitation as opposed to uh, the prevention of symptoms. Uh-huh. So it's a different way of looking at um, the same issues, but the goal is, you know, we want to keep people out of the dental chair, uh, keep them in a state of optimized health, 
because what we're probably going to talk about today is that um, the impact of a lot of types of, of restorative dental care and dental surgeries can leave people wounded for a long time. So as much as we you know, can do to prevent that is going to be a great thing for people's health. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that holistic perspective is extremely important. Um, obviously, people listening know in my work what I do with holistic nutrition. We're looking at the body as a whole. We're looking at not just the digestive tract or not just the endocrine system or just, you know, one specific system in the body, but we're looking how everything is functioning as a whole. And biological dentistry is a huge piece of that. Um, there definitely should be a holistic approach to dentistry. And I think it's becoming more and more prevalent, which is awesome. But I think there's a lot of people who haven't heard about it. Um, I'm relatively new to understanding what biological dentistry is as well. And, and I'm in this field. So <laughs> just a testament yeah. to well, how not mainstream it is and, and it needs to be quite frankly. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, uh, you, you had mentioned how it's becoming more popular. And what, one of the things we've, I've observed, you know, I've been doing dentistry for over 20 years now, and you see trends, right? Things that come and go and different phrases that become, you know, like when I was getting out of school in the late nineties, uh, the big thing was, you know, smile makeovers, right? It was all about, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, less invasive porcelain and, and, you know, nothing wrong with that. It's great stuff. But um, because this is the term du jour, right? Holistic or biological. Yep. One of the, the, the things that uh, folks who are listening to this would want to understand, I think, is that anybody can put that, that name or that word in front of their practice and say, oh, we're holistic. We're, we're biological, you know? And yep. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, it, it, what's important is to dig deep and find out what that practice is about. Um, you know, what, what's their training like, uh, through which institutions have they studied to actually become knowledgeable, uh, in this field. Um, so just cause somebody says that they're a biological practice doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, so I want to, you know, caution people about that. There are, however, a lot of amazing dentists out there who've been pursuing this style of oral healthcare, like I have for years. Um, so we're out there. There's just not, uh, not a lot yet. Hopefully we'll see that change over time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because it's, you know, just like in labeling food labeling and organic and grass fed and free range. Like most people listening are familiar with the, you know, getting duped with those labels, but it's the same thing across holistic practitioners. And yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, one thing that you mentioned in an email to me when we were conversing, getting this podcast set up that you mentioned that you're, you're most passionate about helping people understand how chronic infection from normal dental treatments, such as root canals and wisdom teeth extractions can lead to chronic systemic disease. You also mentioned that you're interested in sharing the many ways in which the body's energy can be disrupted due to oral health issues. So let's break that apart and talk about some of these pieces and, um, just start sure. with root canals. I had a crazy amount of questions from my followers about root canals. Um, we'll just start yeah. simply with what problems are you seeing with root canals and what is your approach? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So I guess the first thing I want to start off by saying is that 
Um, you know, generally speaking, dead tissue inside the body is not probably a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, you know, there are certain, there, there are certain instances where root canal therapy might be the best of a lot of not ideal options. So I just want to put that out there. There are, there are situations where it might be the best choice of all the bad options you have. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so now that that's out, of, now that that's out of the way, um, what I have come to observe and understand and appreciate through research and clinic, you know, years of clinical, uh, work and, and extractions and sending teeth to DNA labs uh, is that within a short period of time, about a month or so, every tooth that experiences a root canal treatment will become full in, internally, you know, teeming with microbes. So, you know, whatever lives under your gum line and within your saliva will absorb into the tubules of which there are millions with each tooth. Um, so once you extract, for lack of a better term, your body's immune system and the blood supply and the nerve supply within a tooth to do the root canal therapy, it becomes like a dry sponge and there's nothing that, that uh, there's no defense against those microbes coming into that tooth. So, you know, I was, I was, um, I was just talking with a woman an hour ago uh, before we got on this podcast, we had extracted two weeks ago, one of her two front teeth which had been root canal 30 years ago. Oh my gosh. And she had been, you know, experiencing a lot, a, a lot of systemic health issues. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, through her health journey, she finally came to her own understanding that, okay, everything, like I'm doing everything else, right. What else could be going wrong with my body here? Yeah. And she recognized, well, maybe this dead tooth isn't so good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I asked her, I said, what have you, what have you noticed uh, about how you feel in the past two weeks since we removed that tooth and you know put a nice looking temporary tooth in there and she said you know the best way i can describe it is it's it's as though my body's energy has become unburdened by something that's been troubling me for 30 years wow and i was like wow you know that's just so incredible what people experience once they you know when you have root canals or of course it can be true for many other health issues as well, but let's, we'll stick with root canals for now. The degree to which you start feeling poor is rarely like, you know, a sudden change. It's, right. It's more like this slow progression of, I just don't know why I lost all my energy or mm -hmm. I can't understand, you know, why did my pancreas crap out? Or, you know, why is my thyroid not functioning well? Or, you know, why can't I get pregnant and I get chronic bladder infections? You know, yeah. like these things will just suddenly, and, and a lot of our patients that we see who start doing their own research will find like, gosh, darn it. It was right after I had that root canal or a month or two after they had the root canal that they started observing changes in their health. And unfortunately, most dentists, and I was one of these, right? We were trained to just ignore what people tell you. You know, well, it, it doesn't feel the same. I, I My whole health feels different. Well, you know, it looks fine on the x-ray, patch on the back, must be in your head. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and literally it is in your head. You know, it actually <laughs> is a dead tooth. And yeah. It is infected and it is energetically uh, shifting 
um, energetic flow through that meridian. So uh, uh, they are all teeming with microbes, you know, and that from a health standpoint is not ideal. Uh, right. Now, you know, I, I would point out taking a tooth out comes with consequences and risks as well. So again, you know, our, our goal in my practice, we're not about dogma. We're not about like, well, we're a biological dentist. So you take out every root canal you find, you know, yeah. I mean, that would be just as silly as telling somebody every time your tooth hurts, you need a root canal. Yeah. So we're really about trying to understand people's health goals. And in certain instances, that might include a root canal for somebody, you know, again, we recognize it's not the healthiest thing, but losing a tooth is also an indication that we've had some health decline as well. So yeah, it, it ultimately boils down to listening to what your patient wants, what their goals are. But when uh, in general, I do want to point out in general, you know, people are told if they have a tooth that hurts, you need a root canal and nobody needs a root canal. You know, you can always, you might try to, to, if the tooth is actually painful, you might be able to pursue some ozone therapy or taking apart the crown they just put on, you know, to try to treat the internal part of the tooth, um, to calm it down so that the nerve can heal itself. I mean, that's absolutely possible. Or you just had a filling and the filling hurts. Like, well, maybe something went wrong with the bonding process. It's, you know, dentists aren't perfect. Sometimes you have to take things apart, go uh -huh. back to the start and treat the tooth with kinder, uh, kinder therapies. Um, of which we use many in our practice from lasers to air abrasion to ozone. So, yeah, you know, it's, we just have to be thoughtful about how we're uh, listening to our patients, how we're approaching the care, the, you know, the actual clinical care of, of teeth, because, you know, telling somebody who just had their fillings that we see this all the time as an example, right? I want to get my mercury out. So uh -huh. they go to some cheap dentist, you know, they get their mercury out, whether they follow a, a smart protocol or not for safety. Um, let's assume they do. doesn't really matter. They fill the teeth up and now their teeth hurt afterwards. And they're like, my teeth didn't hurt before. They hurt now. What's the deal? Oh, you need a root canal. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> well, wait a minute now. They didn't, it, there were no symptoms before. So why do I need a root canal? And of course, people aren't given other options, which is really the shame. Um, yeah. Because we see a lot of folks that feel like if I had known that I had an option to remove a tooth, I might have chosen that, you know? Yeah. So. Gotcha. So if you run into someone who, and that's all super helpful, like amazing information, I feel like I'm, I'm like learning so much already. Um, but if you have someone that comes to you and you come to the conclusion with, you know, your team and with your, with your patient that they do need a root canal, what does that process look like? Um, you know, in your, in your clinic, in your office, what's the process? Well, and I would never say anybody needed a root canal, but if it were an option on the table, uh, I would refer them and I would give them options because currently I don't know of anybody in my city, you know, in Portland, Oregon, who's doing laser assisted root canal therapy using ozone. Um, you know, the, there are very few dentists in America who utilize those types of uh, therapies. I, you know, I used to do that stuff. I just got to the point where you know, that's not how I wanted to spend my time. Uh -huh. 
Okay, so if you have someone um, yeah. coming so to you, it, we refer people out. If you have someone that's coming to you that has already had a root canal, um, needs some healing done. I see this a lot on your Instagram page, like people coming in with an infected tooth that has, they've already had a root canal. They've got yeah. like the metal prongs coming out. Like, I mean, explain that whole thing to me. Like I'm confused. Like what is the traditional process of a root canal? Um, what are those metal prongs that we're seeing and what is your plan of action moving forward? Most commonly speaking, when it comes to like remediating, <laughs> um, you know, someone who's had a root canal that needs it cleaned up and fixed and, and addressed holistically, what does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've developed a protocol uh, over a number of years for removing infection from jawbones. Now that, that might be a root canal treated tooth. Um, it might be an area where somebody had a wisdom tooth or another tooth extracted uh -huh. and it got infected. It didn't heal well. Um, so we utilize a lot of various health supporting therapies from ozone injections, laser therapies, both like surgical laser treatments as you know, when we're removing things as well as photobiomodulation therapies. Um, and one of the things we've come across in the past three plus years, I would say, is what we call it's a process where you actually draw blood from your patients and use their own cells to heal. And it's, um, is this the PRP? It, it compared to putting, uh, LPRF. Okay. So PRP, platelet-rich plasma, is actually more of a liquid injectable, which you wouldn't want to put in an extraction site because it would just roll out, you know? Yeah. So you're actually using firm membrane cells, yeah? And it's, it's so amazing to use tissues that have your own body's energy to go back into this site and regenerate your own jawbone and gum tissue. Uh, oh, wow. You, you can't even compare it to, like, you know, cadaver... Uh, bone graft or you know we call it like dead guy bone I mean, it's kind of <laughs> gross to think about putting like you know granulated cow bone or uh, oh my gosh whatever, i didn't even know right? that was a thing and, and i used to use that stuff before we had lprf oh wow uh, yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah the things i don't know <laughs> yeah so anyway it's a, it's a very thoughtful protocol right yeah and let's let's hope you don't have to learn more right uh, <laughs> but you know i mean it's if you're going to go through surgery, certainly it makes sense to establish an environment so that your body can rejuvenate and regenerate itself most predictably. Uh -huh. um, and, and, then, and then support it, right? With great nutrition, uh, photobiomodulation, ozone injections, things, things of that nature. Gotcha. And it sounds like, I mean, kind of a lot of what you're getting at here is that it doesn't really matter if it's you know, a, um, a dead tooth, a cavitation from wisdom teeth being taken out. If it's an issue from, you know, a poor root canal job done, you're really just looking at almost like the environment and the, the ecosystem of the teeth of the microbiome that's going on in the mouth and under the gums and making sure that that environment is, is clean, is functioning well, is healthy. And, um, you know, in return, 
people are having higher quality systemic health and better energy flow through their bodies. I mean, that sounds like what a lot of what you do. So a lot of people had questions that were like root canal specific or wisdom teeth specific, but yeah. it sounds like what, what you're really getting at in your work is that this is like bigger picture. doesn't really matter the specific of exactly what it is. We're really looking at improving the environment of what's going on in the mouth and in the teeth and in the gums. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because as you were mentioning, when we first started, I mean, all this stuff's connected. So, you know, you can't treat a root canal in a vacuum, just like you can't treat, you know, your pancreas that's going south in a vacuum. It's, you know, it, it relates from everything to what you're putting in your mouth to what you choose to think about, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So let's dig into some of these um, like healing modalities that you've mentioned and just kind of go into the details of them. You've mentioned um, the, uh, I'm totally blanking on the specifics. Is it the LPR? (laughs) LPRF. Yeah. 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 It's so think of it this way. It's, it's concentrating a person's immune cells. So their white blood cells along with their clotting factors that you would naturally create in the form of a scab if you were to like, let's say, you know, skin your elbow or something. Um, right. So we're able to borrow some blood, spin the blood, and then pull out, pull out the section of uh, what we call the LPRF, squeeze out the plasma from that so that it's all these vital healing and germ fighting uh, cells that we then concentrate into the extraction or surgical site and people are able to heal, you know, very predictably. That's amazing. Yeah. Jeez, that's unbelievable. And it's kind of like, it's almost, it makes too much sense. <laughs> it's like, what have we been doing over the last couple of years in, in health and wellness? Like, that's just like, duh, of course, that would be a way that the body is naturally healing itself. We already have it. It's not you know, like we're, like you mentioned, getting something from like cows or cadavers, like, geez, we wonder why we're not healing. We're putting these foreign objects in our bodies when we're doing things like that. So that's amazing. Um, You also mentioned ozone injections. I've also heard of like, um, you know, ozone therapy. Can you just touch on ozone in general, whether it's an injection, whether it's therapy, whether it's like water that's been treated with ozone that you're using, like what, what is ozone? What is the benefit? Why is it used? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So the answer is yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, in, in our practice, we started using ozone by ozonating distilled water. So that's how we started about three and a half years ago. Um, and, and the purpose is that, you know, we, if you want to kill off, you know, bugs. And let's say we're wiping down countertops for something, you know, something simple. Okay. You, know, you would use chlorine, let's say, be- because it's an oxidizing agent. Well, ozone, which, you know, if, if we understand that regular oxygen is two oxygen atoms linked together, mm-hmm. right? Ozone is three oxygen atoms linked together and it requires energy to create it. So, you know, the, the version of ozone that we're most accustomed to in the natural world is, you know, in a lightning storm, all of a sudden you can smell that, that different scent in the air, right? Huh, yeah. It's because as lightning charges through the atmosphere, 
it actually charges the oxygen that's in the atmosphere, creates some ozone, and then we smell it, right? It has a very unique smell. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So it has, it has the ability to do biological work, you know? Um, so it's able to, uh, you know, affect our own healthy living cells, you know, by kind of ramping up their health properties. Ozone will kill, you know, any virus, uh, bacteria, fungi, you know, the things that, that like to hang out in our warm, moist mouths um, and other parts of our body for that matter. I mean, ozone is just a great, it's a great modality and nobody's allergic to oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a wonderful, yeah, it's a wonderful modality to have. So a lot of what we're doing with it now, uh, along with ozonating our water supply is doing injections of ozone gases. And we use low concentrations, you know, it's mostly ox medical grade oxygen. Um, uh, but it's a, it, it is an amazing experience when you have when you give a patient an injection of a therapeutic ozone gas and their symptoms that they've been experiencing for years suddenly disappear. Um, and that's that gives us a real sense that like we're onto something here, you know? Yeah, for sure. And so is that injection? Um like a saline mixed with the ozone or is it like, I mean, you're explaining that and I'm, I'm picturing like air going in through just air in an injection. Is that how that works? Or like explain to me what, <laughs> what that looks uh, good like. Good question. <laughs> so, yeah. So think about, you know, uh, we would not want to inject air because, because that's mostly nitrogen, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's sure. That's into, not what you're actually doing um, <laughs> under the vestibule. Yeah, no, but you can absolutely take oxygen, oxygen gas, which will immediately diffuse into the tissues where it's placed. So, and then we're not talking about, you know, plumping up a balloon here. We're talking about, you know, a cc of gas here, a cc of gas there. Um, and then it, like I say, it just absorbs into the tissues where it's placed. Um, and those, you know, these areas are generally, um, you know, lacking oxygenation. Uh, frequently, they're they're actually necrotic, uh, like mm. you have dead tissue. So it helps to amplify the health of the tissues peripheral to that. And, and we like to do that both before surgery, you know, immediately after surgery, you know, days following surgery, you can do it in a lymphatic drainage process. We're actually doing injections, you know, along the lymphatic chain oh, wow. to help drain that. We also use like laser therapies along those chains to help stimulate the lymph movement. Uh -huh. um, you know, cause our bone uh, and our tissues, our extracellular matrix, you know, it's all kind of, it has this absorptive capacity. And if we're not cleaning it out, uh, it's gonna be hard to get rid of the stuff we wanna remove. Absolutely. Yeah. And that lymphatic system and just everything involved in the, the drainage pathways or the detoxification pathways are massively important and not only just, you know, mobilizing those toxins, but like you said, flushing them out. And I think that's a, that's a big thing that I've been talking about recently um, on Instagram, on the podcast, on every platform is just the importance of supporting the drainage pathways and the drainage funnel 
Um, you know, Dr. Jess talks about this. Cell core bioscience is really big on all of this. So just making sure that those systems are supported because if we're pushing toxins, clearing out pathogens, we can't do that without supporting the drainage pathways or we're just going to continue to be sick. It's going to go from one part of the body to another. Um, so that's fascinating. I've heard of like using ozone in water, but I've never heard of it as, you know, like CC injections directly into, um, you know, a specific site, especially for dental care. I mean, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. I didn't know you guys had been using it that way. Um, but yeah, that is wild. And so tell me a little bit more about red light therapy. You mentioned that briefly. Um, how have you guys been using that as a healing modality and what exactly is photobiomodulation? How does it heal? How does that work? I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. I'm seeing way more of like, you know, prism light pod, juve social, the to go lights. I've seen you with, um, you know, giving those to patients of using those lights on the, on the face, on the, around the mouth for healing after surgeries. I'd love to hear more about from your perspective, like what exactly is this red light therapy, photo biomodulation? How does it work? And uh, how are you seeing it improve healing in patients? Yeah, photobiomodulation is something I started doing 20 years ago. So when I bought my first two dental lasers, um, I picked up a book by a couple of Swedish researchers where they had reviewed the, the, the past 30 years of uh, science as it, per, as it related to photobiomodulation at that time, nobody even, nobody ever heard of the term photobiomodulation. It was right. the term that we used was low level laser therapy. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, um, I started, you know, exercising, you know, using light, both red and infrared light to help modify cellular response and healing processes. Um, you know, from all sorts of different therapies. Um, you know, we've gotten now to the point where, as you mentioned, I mean, we just got this whole like full body light system that's yeah. red and infrared light. And it just, you know, blows people's minds. I mean, we had like six people in the office today, all of whom had flown in from, you know, Philadelphia, California, Chicago, and, you know, exposing them to this, like, you got to come check this out, you know, and it's totally... <laughs> It's totally health promoting, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you if you read Ari Witten's book, which is excellent about red light therapy, I mean, he goes over the the last fifty years of science beautifully and without question. I mean, no nobody's well, not nobody, but I don't personally know of anybody who's allergic to light. Yeah. <laughs> and the science is so convincing that by utilizing red and infrared light, um, you can increase like literally increase cellular energy and help in their detoxification pathways so like who doesn't want that yeah and it's totally non-invasive so yeah i mean one of the things that i think it was maybe two and a half three years ago uh we started sending each patient home with their own red light therapy unit uh, that they would use for two weeks or so and uh, it, it's been amazing. I mean, we just have like, it is an absolute rarity that anybody takes pain medication in our practice. I mean, it happens sometimes, but it's just not frequent. Wow. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. And 
can you speak a little bit? I, I saw you guys post recently of like some herbs and um, things that you guys use when it comes to to pain meds. I saw your post that was like, you actually don't need pain meds most of the time yeah. at a dentist's office, like after, even after surgery. Yep. So aside from the, you know, the ozone and some of these other things that you do in the moment to like decrease pathogens and toxicity and red light therapy to, you know, speed up healing, help with detoxification. Yep. Can you just explain, um, you know, this other, this other piece as well that you guys are utilizing of kind of avoiding pain meds. I feel like that's just like going to be mind blowing for so many people. Um, but, but what does that usually look like? What does a typical protocol after surgery look like if you're not using like typical narcotic pain medications after a surgery, what are you using instead? And what are you seeing from people? We will give people uh, different homeopathics. So we have four in particular that um, we just put it in a to-go bag for people. It's kind of all part of the, the, the protocol um, is to take these homeopathics. And most people do. Um, it, it, they really do provide energetic information to your body that stimulates the healing process. You know, the problem with um, things like ibuprofen and Tylenol and narcotics is that they dull your sense of pain but they slow down the process of healing. Uh. So you know, it's, it's like, we actually want to help people heal. So why are we giving them things that do exactly the opposite? Um, and we have found that, you know, again, if somebody wants to have, uh, you know, pain medication or they want to take ibuprofen, hey, you know what? It's absolutely your choice. I mean, it, it's all about autonomy. Yeah. Um, but we want to give them the understanding and the information and the tools to go home and have a completely drug-free, uh, highly energy-based healing process if that's what they want to choose. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it's probably 95% of our patients. That's all they do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's truly incredible. I remember when I was in high school, um, just like everybody's like rite of passage into senior year of high school. I got my wisdom teeth out. I had all four. They were all impacted. Bottom two got infected. Um, and I got super hey. sick coming out of anesthesia um, and then going on Vicodin. I like just threw up a ton from Vicodin. It made me super sick. Couldn't even take them. And I just like toughed it out. I took it once, threw it all up, never took it again um, for the like, days following. And um I mean, you know, all of that, like I've learned so much just from your pages and from, from this chat with you. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine like potential like cavitations <laughs> and issues that I have after my history in my mouth. Um, I also had my two eye teeth were in my sinuses when I was young. So I had to have chains put on those teeth, pulled down on my braces. I'm sure you've heard of that before. So I'm sure I've got oh, all yeah. sorts of issues going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, pain meds are always the only thing that you're offered. And as a young kid, it's like, geez, you know, you don't really realize the, the intensity of the medications that you're taking at, at that time. And I think it's amazing that you even give people the opportunity to take something else. And I mean, my belief is very much like, you know, go the non-invasive, non-addictive, non-medicated route first. And then if, you know, it's necessary, then of course that's absolutely an option. I think it's amazing that you even have options for people as a doctor to say like, you know, here's options, here's something that we see that's successful and works really well and giving people just the choice um, and to have that autonomy. Because most of the time, I think we have this 
relationship with doctors where it's like doc knows best and you just tell me what to do and you know hopefully everything ends up well and there's kind of this we create this narrative of distrust within ourselves immediately when we start that doctor patient relationship and i think it's amazing that you're flipping that script um, through dentistry and just looking at the whole body asking people how they're feeling giving them autonomy giving them choice kind of referring them back to themselves and we really are our own greatest teachers. Our bodies know how to heal. And I love that that's a, a big piece of everything that you do. You're not just with like pain meds and homeopathics, but everything that you're doing, it's it's so important. And it's definitely the paradigm of health that we, that we need. I mean, we've just gone completely in a wild direction. <laughs> it's more evident mm-hmm. now than ever before. So. Right. Yeah. It's, um, and thank you for saying that. I mean, I usually share when I have the opportunity to, you know, share my message. Like, <clears throat> you know, I, my background was in psychology before I went to dental school. And so, um, you know, and I spent time working in high school schools. I spent time working on crisis lines. And, um, and I learned a lot about connecting with human beings through that process. Um, and you're absolutely right about how the dynamic of working with the doctor is so um, focused on, as you said, you know, doc knows best. And that's just not a modality or a a mindset that I want to own or be a part of um, because it's a, you know, when I, it's rare by the way that I meet people anymore who believe that because we, (laughs) you know, obviously we attract a different a different clientele, but right. every once in a while, people will say that. And I say, you know, I appreciate, you know, that you want to place your trust in my judgment. However, it's your body and you spend more time with yourself than anybody else. Um, and you know yourself better than anybody else. So let's, let's ask your body about what it thinks uh, and your, your spirit. Uh, and let's, let's have that way in because it's valuable and it's valid. So yeah, we encourage that quite a bit. It, it's it's really a very different culture here, as you might imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've talked a bit, I mean, you've touched on, you know, energy, the energy of the medicine that you're using, the energy of the modalities that you're using, the healing energy of the body and using like the the LPR. I'm totally messing that up. What is that called again? <laughs> L- no, you're in the ballpark. LPRF. <laughs> it's lu- leukocyte, white blood cells. Yes. And platelet-rich fibrin. That's your PRF. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the LPRF. I mean, it's just amazing to, you to can think of. It tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but just it's amazing that you're using all these modalities, but you've mentioned multiple times just like the the energy piece of it. So I want to touch on that and just get your perspective. And I know you've yeah. shared the connection between our teeth and energy meridians in the body. And so how does that play a part in what you do? Um, how are you seeing that manifest clinically with clients? Um, and, and what stories do you have to share with, with everybody just about like what, what you're seeing and how this is manifesting for people? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So th- this is perhaps one of the areas that has been most, um, eye opening to me as a clinician. Uh, again, you know, I was, <laughs> I was trained that, you know, drill it and fill it, you know, that was dental school. Yeah. Um, and, and the same, the same is true. Like, when I, you know, back in the day when I would do root canals, there was no second thought about, well, what, what am I outside of this tooth? What else am I going to be affecting 
in this person's body by killing this tooth. Yeah, there's no thought about that at all. Um, and you know, I I still remember like it was yesterday. It's probably six or seven years ago. A woman called up and asked my front office person at the time. Um, you know, she says, "Hey, I, I've got these two teeth that are root canaled. Uh, my dentist and I've seen a couple endodontists. They say they all look fine, and I know they're not right. I want them out of my head. You know, would would Doctor Blodgett take these out for me?" And and you know, she was kind of like, "You want to do what?" You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because it was <laughs> quite a quite a little bit outside of the box of what we were accustomed to. Anyway, we, you know, we met her and listened to her story and and. At that time, I couldn't see any clinical reason for doing it, but I listened to her and her life experience, which was enough for me to acknowledge like, hey, if you know that something's wrong, I will honor that and we'll take those teeth out safely for you and, and help you to, to heal. And see, I I'll never forget seeing her back two weeks later for her healing visit. And it was, she was a changed person. I mean, Wow. Her energy had gone from being like lethargic and feeling like crap to like abounding with, you know, just, just thriving with energy. Wow. And I was like, Whoa, you know, and, and we listened to what she had experienced in that process. And it was very formative for my team and me. Um, and, and, you know, it just started us on this journey. So, you know, I would share that our teeth stem from, the embryonic cells that form our entire nervous system. So if wow. we think about that, th there's clearly connectedness energetically. And I mean, I, I see it all the time, like people, let's say, who have one of their upper first molars root canal, and they're talking about their Hashimoto's thyroid, right? They've got thyroid issues. <clears throat> And, you know, I, when you start digging about when did you have your root canal and when were you diagnosed with thyroid issues, almost always we'll see that the thyroid issues started, you know, sh shortly after having the root canal. I mean, it's huh. so common. Um, similarly with, uh, you know, like uh, lumps in the breast. Um, we see that with frequency as well, where, you know, partly because the lymphatics of our mouth drains into the lymphatics of our neck and our breasts. So, you know, for women that are more at risk than men, but it's, uh, we see those, those connections commonly. Um, and, and one of the stories I would share, you know, anybody can go onto my Instagram and, and look up um, the story that this gal named Tori had shared uh, during our 20th anniversary celebration a month ago. Um, she had a really interesting situation where she had had an accident and her front two incisors had died huh. and they had abscessed and, you know, the root canals didn't do anything to help them. And she had chronic infection in her jawbone up under, mm. underneath her nose. Well, interestingly enough, your upper four incisors are connected energetically to your ovaries, your uterus, your bladder and your kidneys. Huh. Right. So she was, she had gone from having, you know, generally great health to after she, after her teeth died, having every month to two months, such severe bladder infections that she was hospitalized. And this had wow. been going on 
for a period of at least two to three years. And she shares it in, in her video testimonial. I mean, it is quite gripping. You know, she's in tears. You know, every time I watch it, it brings me to tears because it's like, holy, it's just so sad how people store, you know, nobody's looking at this stuff, right? She has suffered so long. But what's been amazing is that once we got those teeth out, we went through a restorative process and created her beautiful fake teeth. And I mean, she's just looked wonderfully through the whole process. Ever since the teeth came out and the infection got removed, she hasn't been to the hospital once. You know, it's been over six months, wow. about eight months, I'd say now. Not a single issue, you know. Now, can I tell you it's causative that, you know, the, the teeth are, you know, I'm not going to say that, but all I can tell you is that this happened. This was her experience. We cleaned it up. All those issues have gone away and she feels like a million bucks. So, you know, these things are real. Um, and most dentists would tell you, and this, I probably would have told you this 10 years ago, like, oh, I don't even see how that's possible, you know? Yeah. But because it, it, it's our nature, right? We want to protect what we think we know. But I, you know, I didn't go into this profession to tell people what they should do or need to do. You know, I want to listen to what do you believe is the best path for yourself and what are your goals and, you know, and what can you teach me, frankly? I mean, that's how I've learned more things than any, any other avenue is people come in and they ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. So I have to start digging and researching. Um, I've had people give me books, you know, that have changed my, my professional trajectory. So, you know, our patients are such a gift. Um, their questions should be honored in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and respected because it's, there's such, there's such great opportunity for growth there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's fascinating. Um, just like the energy perspective, I feel like that's becoming, more and more interesting to me personally. I think I waved off energy as like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, like woo woo bullshit. There's a lot of woo woo shit in the wellness space, especially the holistic wellness space. And so I've always just been like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. And I've dabbled in it and had some weird experiences, had some good experiences, had some bad experiences. And I mean, it spans across all sorts of different things from grounded in science to grounded in God knows what to all over the place. So um, I think from a clinical perspective, looking at energy meridians and, you know, like especially ancient Chinese medicine and things like acupuncture and the way that these systems have been created and the effectiveness of them, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of this too, but just how has that been, how has that been helpful in understanding these energy meridians, um, and helping you address clients? Like when you're looking at the client as a whole or the, the patient as a whole, are you running into issues where you're like, oh, they've got, you know, problems with, uh, you know, breast tissue or reproductive system. So I'm probably going to see this issue in this tooth. Are you using that as a directive or are you just kind of making note in the correlation and then observing the healing or like what, what piece does that play for you in the, in a clinical perspective? Yeah, I would say that we start by creating awareness for the patient. Um, you know, so our our new patient experiences here are are very unique. Um, every every new patient in our practice comes in and spends two hours with one of our uh, holistic dental hygienists, and you know, all of these team members have been, you know, they spent so many hours. Uh, you know, learning things that are outside the box. 
uh, being mentored by Dr. Nish and myself, by our lead hygienist, Mara. And, and part of that discussion, you know, once we, once we go through a process of understanding what your goals are, you know, and we start gathering clinical information, we already have your health history. So we start putting pieces together and we have energetic charts, you know, tooth energy meridian charts in every room. So whenever we want to draw a connection, we'll, you know, say, well, we see that these things are connected. I can't tell you that when I remove these two dead skanky teeth that, you know, you're going to just, you know, be bounding out of here with energy and, and your uh, diabetes is going to go away. But do we see it happen? Yeah, absolutely. Do we see people with chronic GI issues uh, suddenly just disappear? Absolutely. Like frequently, actually. Wow. Because, um, you know, imagine you, know, you think about like the vagus nerve and the inferior extents of the, you know, the trigeminal nerve of the, of the head yep. and how everything's connected throughout the body. Like when we start disrupting nerve connections by killing off teeth and having areas of our jaw bones that are constantly in, you know, infectious moats for lack of a better term, you know, it's going to affect your body. Um, if, if those, let's say these couple teeth are connected to your large intestine, you're probably going to have some issues pooping, you know, yeah. it's just, and if you're not, if you're not pooping well, you know, you're not going to be very healthy. Yeah. Um, so right, <laughs> definitely I mean, it just not. is what it is. No, it's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we spend a fair amount of time having these conversations. It's about relationship building and creating awareness. You know, we're not here to like, we're going to educate you and browbeat you into what you should do. It's not about that. It's about drawing connections so that people can better understand themselves and, and their own health journey. Um, and, you know, there must be something about it. Cause like I say, I mean, more than half of the new patients that find us fly in from other states. So um, we're, we're so fortunate to be in that place of, of having open-minded human beings here uh, who we can educate and, you know, kind of elevate their awareness and they do the same for us. So it's really a, 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 a kind of a magical space we get to work in here. Yeah, that's really special. Really, really special. I think it's awesome that you've cultivated and created that space for people to to step into and that your journey has kind of led you to this place. I mean, it's a very unique, very special um, thing that you have going on. And one of the main reasons why I was attracted to asking you to come on the podcast, because you're just way different than, you know, any other biological dentist that I've come across that I've read about or, um, you know, been in contact with. It's just very different. Um, very much a personal touch. And uh, I think it's amazing what your journey has brought you to. And before we jump into some listener questions, I just wanted to ask, uh, I was going to ask this at the beginning and kind of just skipped over it and got excited to jump into all the clinical pearls that you have to share. But <laughs> what what does it take to go from like a, you know, a traditional dentist into biological dentistry? Is there like a certification, a program, a, um, you know, something that you're sitting in like a test that you're taking or what is that, what does that look like? What has your journey been from, you know, getting your dental degree to yeah. doing biological dentistry? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I went to a traditional dental school here in, in Portland, Oregon. Um, my personal journey was, you know, it wasn't like I went uh, 15 years of doing the same old, same old 
and then just was like, wow, I'm going to do biological dentistry. So my, my path <laughs> was more along the lines of, um, I got into laser technology and then I got into digital CAD cam technology where we're creating you know, ceramic restorations for teeth in the office all in one visit. So like, as an, for instance, if somebody wanted a crown on a tooth, you could do that all in a single visit. That was probably within my first five years of practice. Um, and then, you know, got into more regenerative processes and, you know, that was probably for the first 15 years. And then in the last five or six years, um, it's really been more about adapting to more of a biological style. And, and where I started with that um, was in taking some courses, in joining the IAOMT, the IABDM. These are two different groups that um, look at the toxicological issues of things that go in people's mouths and kind of more biological practices. And then three years ago, um, I signed up my lead hygienist and myself for the American College of Integrative Medicine and Dentistry, which is a very unique educational institution that educates dentists on all the integrative uh, biological healthcare modalities from you know, acupuncture to nutrition to you know, other energy medicine, um, and it was a two-year process. It's a, you know, so I'm, you know, I now hold two specific board certifications in naturopathic medical dentistry and integrated or uh, yeah, integrative biological dental medicine. So many acronyms. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, and you know, it's a three-hour exam, and you know, I mean, it's it's quite a process. And yeah. it's Two years of your life that you're giving up to. Uh, to travel to the East Coast uh, to go do this. And we're actually super pumped. Um, my, uh, my partner here, Dr. Nish, and our, no, our second uh, hygienist that's been with us the second longest, they're just about to start that, that same uh, program here first weekend of June. So we're so, so excited for them. They've been that's learning awesome. along with us for the past three years. Uh, but you can imagine like having them go through that themselves is going to be phenomenal. So you know, I guess my point being is that if you go to the websites of the IAOMT or the IABDM, you know, you can find hundreds of dentists who have joined those groups by signing up, paying a fee, you know, you get the emails, you know, some, a lot of people might go to the meetings and, you know, you, you learn some great stuff and it's great people. Um, to find dentists who've graduated from the American College of Integrative Medicine and Dentistry is not as simple. Uh, it, yeah. you know, there are only 12 dental professionals per class and it's one to two classes per year. So the fraternity is not huge. Um, but when you find those folks, typically not all, but typically, uh, those are some very knowledgeable and thoughtful people. Uh, um, and you know, we're just, we're blessed to have two, the only two graduates of that college working in the same practice in Oregon. I mean, Mara and I are the only two people to finish that uh, program in Oregon. So um, it's, we hope to share the message, <laughs> you know, to others. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think it's super important for people to understand as well. 
Um, but let's jump into some of the listener questions here. I feel like we've covered some of the basics really well. I really appreciate just your, your thoroughness and answering questions. This is fascinating information. Um, but we've got some nitpicky specific questions from people. So I'm just going to run through a few of them here. So living pretty with Amanda is asking, what do you do differently with children compared to the typical dentist? Um, yes. Uh, my answer is I refer them to Dr. Stacy Whitman. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I came straight out of dental school and went to the veterans hospital, uh, in Portland. So like ever since dental school, I haven't seen children. Um, and thankfully we have the best, uh, holistic pediatric dentist in the United States is here in Portland. Oh, wow. Um, her name is Stacy Whitman. And she's actually been going through that same uh, American College of Integrative Medicine and Dentistry as well. Um, she is a wealth of knowledge. You can find her on Instagram. It's at Dr. The, the whole word, Dr. Underscore Stacy, S-T-A-C-I. Um, she owns NoPo Kids Dentistry. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, when we have people travel uh, to come see us, they oftentimes bring their kids and they go see Dr. Stacy, you know, so the kids have a, a, and it's, oh my gosh, she's just a gem of a human being. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. So we'll just, we'll pass people off to Dr. Stacy then <laughs> who have questions. Maybe that'll be yeah. another podcast episode about like child, childhood, pediatric dentistry. Um, but we've got another question from Sydney Harris. She's asking what type of tooth implants would be the safest? Good question. So, and, and you know, safe, safe is a word that is loaded as you probably know. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you're, you're talking to a guy who has a titanium knee, right? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, like there's all this stuff about, you know, titanium and, you know, it, it's so dangerous all of a sudden. And, and I'm, you know, I will acknowledge it. There are metallurgical risks that are significantly different than a zirconia implant. But, you know, 10 years ago when we didn't have zirconia implants, nobody was talking about the toxic uh, risk of titanium. Now it was still present, you know, uh, there are some people who are allergic to or sensitive to certain metallic ions and all titanium implants are an alloy of some sort. Uh -huh. So, um, and I have had patients, thankfully very few, but I have had some patients where two, I can think of for sure, where I placed titanium implants and they started experiencing systemic issues. Like uh. they broke out in rashes. Um, one started developing tinnitus. Yeah, the ringing in the ears. Which, you know, yeah. And you don't think of like, oh, well, my ear's weird. Oh, it must be my dental implant, right? They, yeah. <laughs> they go see the audiologist, Yeah. right? Or they see the ear, nose, and throat doc. So, you know, these days, I would say we, we are seeing a market shift in trends toward more ceramic implants. Uh -huh. um, but I will say this, the... Um, there are pros and cons to both, for sure. Um, primarily, the aesthetic options that we have with zirconia are not as flexible as they are with titanium. Mm 
So if a person, if a person is willing to um, potentially not have quite as amazing of a, an aesthetic end result, uh, but they want a, a quote unquote safer dental implant, well, then they might go for zirconia. Uh-huh. Um, however, if aesthetics are a huge concern, you know, you might consider titanium. Um, I will say, I mean, in, in our practice, that all that being said, you know, we probably place out of every 10 implants, probably eight or nine of them are zirconia these days. Yeah. Because um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's just who's choosing to come and see us. And that's, we, we have the options, like, you know, anything you want, uh, you know, we're going to come up with a solution that fits your goals and your health risks. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So becoming more, I think that says becoming more with Brittany. I'm probably going to say some of these names totally wrong from Instagram handles, Um, but becoming more with Brittany is asking any ingredients to watch out for in clear non-mercury fillings. I'm assuming she's talking about composite fillings. So here would be a, probably a more powerful, um, some powerful information that would help a person who is interested in um, sensitivity to materials. So there is a company called Biocomp, right? And you can get, a, they're actually, I believe, in Denver. Of oh, all cool. Things. Very um, nice. Yeah. So you can get a blood draw and we can send in that blood sample to Biocomp. And they can analyze your own antibodies to a number of different materials. And awesome. they'll provide you a, rep- a report that says for composite fillings, bonding agents, implants, crown materials, you name it, um, anything that would be used in dentistry, which materials are least likely, moderately likely, or most likely to create sensitivity for a person. So like instead of trying to say there's one brand or another yep. brand that's better than another, the truth is no one brand is perfect for everybody, right? So it's yeah. all about when we look at bioindividuality, I want to give bioindividual solutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you're touching on that and bringing that into the conversation with all of these like specific questions. And I think if anything, like, I mean, these are all amazing questions. Like I I appreciate them. I love them. I think it's going to help a lot of people, but I love that you're bringing bioindividuality into the picture here because, you know, if anything, reflecting on all these questions, it's, these questions are a reflection of the medical model that we've all been taught that like things work independently of themselves and they don't that like there is an ideal, um, (laughs) you know, filling that you should get. And that's not true. So I I love that you're bringing this bio-individual piece in. And I, I think this drives some people crazy. I get this from clients and followers where they're like, well, what about this? And well, what about that? And what supplements should I take? Which supplements are best? And it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with your blood work or what deficiencies you have or what pathogens you have or what you might need. It's always different. It's always bio-individual. And I love that you're (laughs) bringing that into this conversation, even if it is maybe pissing off a few people that are listening and, and answers really are not so clear cut and dry. And I think that is so important to understand. And I'm, I'm glad you're glad you're bringing that up. Um, but yes, moving to another question from eat simply travel often. She's asking, we've got a few questions here actually from her. She says, do you recommend x-rays once per year? Cause that's like the common, the common dentist thing is like x-rays once a year, every year. So Yeah. I'm curious about that too. What is your suggestion right. on that? 
Well, I mean, we would it, it, we could easily lean back to the bio individuality concept, right? Let's yeah. say if you are at high risk for dental decay, periodontal disease, sinus infections, I mean, you, you name it, then we may choose to take um, radiographic uh, uh, radiographs more frequently. Um, or let's say you had a tooth taken out four months ago. And normally we, we don't just take cone, 3D cone beam scans all, you know, all the time. Uh, you know, we wouldn't do that every year. But if there's information that we need to understand in order to safely and predictably plan for, uh, let's say, a, you know, a couple dental implants or something, then we might do it more frequently. Um, is there a standard that we do for all patients? No. You know, it, it boils down to if somebody has been, has been in a state of consistent oral health and the whole body health. Yeah. And we find that like, geez, you know, I mean, we might, sometimes we don't even up, update bite wing x-rays or whatever it is that their, their quote unquote insurance uh, is telling them is quote unquote appropriate. Right. When, you know, by the way, you know, I mean, the, the insurance companies never met them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, so those things are all those things that people think are the norm. It's all been driven by an insurance industry that tells you what you can and cannot have if you're basing your value system on, you know, the insurance dollar, which of course they don't, they don't care anything about your health. Yeah. I mean, their primary goal is to make money. Yeah. So, you know, why is it a year? Because that's what they figured they could get away with and make the most money. If they could get away with it, doing it every two years and not have people's teeth falling out of their heads more frequently, they probably would. So right. yeah, it's, there's no, there's no one amount. Um, I will say this, however, you know, like if a patient wants to be a new patient in our practice, uh, we do gather a fair amount of radiographic uh, data during their first visit, because unless I have new, like brand new information from another provider that's of high quality, you know, I, I need, I need that information to understand what's going on inside of their dental region. So, right. Um, but that also helps us, you know, kick things off on the right note and determine what's going to be the most appropriate frequency for this individual. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So the same person, Eat Simply Travel Often, is also asking what your thoughts are on fluoride and hydroxy appetite. Um, obviously, fluoride is is trash. I think we can both agree on that. But curious what your what your thought is on that. And I'm also curious about what you think of hydroxy appetite. I think it's a great question because that's becoming a more and more popular ingredient in toothpaste and supposedly has regenerative abilities for a tooth enamel. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what your answers are to these questions as well. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, let's, you know, we don't want to totally dismiss, you know, why the idea of fluoride came to be um, something that might be helpful to teeth in the first place, because it's true that if fluoride bonds to the, uh, the appetite crystal and creates fluorapatite, it is more acid resistant than hydroxyapatite. So, mm. you know, like it, it provides that benefit without question. Yeah. However, I don't know any person who has the capacity of brushing only their teeth and not allowing their oral mucosa to absorb the fluoride that's in the toothpaste they're using. Yeah, no, it it's impossible. 
right? It, it's, it's totally impossible. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I mean, when I became aware of the potential risks associated with fluoride, you know, our family stopped using it about five years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, as it relates to hydroxyapatite, um, let, let's, let's put it in context. If we're thinking that brushing for two minutes with a product that has hydroxyapatite, that that is going to, you know, let's say you did two minutes in the morning and two minutes at night, and you've got some hydroxyapatite crystals floating around for yep. you know 20 minutes or so after you brush your teeth, let's say, um, will, will that overcome the person's oral health risk who's chronically sipping on something that's either sweet and or acidic? No, right? So it's not a panacea. Uh, we, we have seen that, you know, uh, can there be benefit along with drinking a lot of water, stimulating great saliva flow, having a healthy diet, right? I mean, it's like, and also being in a parasympathetic state enough that you allow yourself good saliva flow. Yep. Because how many people are like, oh, I'm going to sit down. I'm, I'm going to have uh, lunch now. I'm going to take three minutes and shovel some stuff down my gullet. Yeah. You know, while I'm, while I'm on my cell phone, right? And it's like, oh, but you know what? One of my chief complaints is I have dry mouth all the time, but I don't practice a lifestyle where I allow myself to kind of rest and digest. Yeah. So again, I think that I, I like to think of these things like fluoride, hydroxyapatite in the context of actual living. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are they, are either of them going to, you know, be a miracle cure for somebody who has a high risk lifestyle? No, I don't think so. But yeah. can it be, you know, either can hydroxyapatite be utilized with along, along with a healthy lifestyle and diet to help facilitate better oral health for some people, probably so. Yeah. 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 And I mean, a lot of this always points back to like the simple things, right? Like we're living in an environment in the modern world that we're just simply not created for the amount of toxins, the food that we're eating, the amount of chronic stress and cortisol drip that we're constantly living in. Like it just, it wreaks havoc on our health and including our dental health. So yeah, I love that. Love that answer. Um, We'll touch on... Let's see. Let me look over these really quick. Okay. So Aero Nutritional Therapy is asking, curious how infections can affect jaw tension. Um, I think that's a great question. Jaw tension. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting one too. I, I you know, I was re- recently um, out in St. Louis, Missouri, doing some training with Dr. Simon Yu, uh, the author of Accidental Cure and Accidental Blowup in Medicine. And we did a lot of talking about, I mean, we, we had about half of the doctors there were dentists, half were physicians or naturopaths. And we did a lot of talking about um, jaw tension, parasitic infection of the gut, um, jawbone infections, root canal infections. And the whole purpose of the class was to learn to use a modified EAV system for measuring energy of the body, right? Uh-huh. Both orally, systemically, and all this, right? Uh, fascinating, fascinating class. But point being is that, first of all, we'll get back to what we started with, everything's connected. Yep. So if you've got infection in your jawbone, whatever's there is being circulated 
throughout your cardiovascular system, uh, you know, via your lymph, usually the lymph is draining these areas off. Uh -huh. It then reconnects with the cardiovascular system and it goes systemic. So along with that, I mean, it, frequently we will see root canals. Well, I mean, a lot of times they'll have crowns on them, right? Uh -huh. And one of the biggest problems that uh, Dr. Nish and I see is, you know, people get re teeth restored, right, in quotes, um, where it's like, here's your brand new sexy crown, and the anatomy, it's like they took it out of a, you know, a 16-year-old's mouth, and the patient's 65, and, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't look like it fits at all. It looks really pretty, but it just doesn't fit their, their bite scheme at all, and so then they're beating the living daylights out of this, and it's like, talk about things that will cause jaw strain, and, uh. and, and real emotional upset for people, they won't even know it. I mean, um, it, it's one of the specialties that, that my partner practices is really, he's just so in tune with the, the, you know, kind of the cranial facial balance and how teeth connect and, and all wow. that. And, you know, he's really passionate about it. And, uh, you know, that can also cause, cause a lot of tension, but we, we absolutely know that chronic infection and energetic imbalance will throw off your whole, you know, energetic balance of your body. And we're yeah. going to brace for that, right? Like, you know, yep. I mean, we can't fool the body, can't fool the body's energy at all. No, not at all. And I'm glad you brought up parasites because I'm, I'm actually going through mold, chronic mold illness, detoxing mold, and I'm, you know, done the drainage, I'm on the parasite stuff, moving on to mold in the future. But that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed is like, that jaw tension with parasites is just ridiculous. And that doesn't mean that parasitic yeah. infections are, you know, just only segregated to the gut, they can go systemic. I know I've seen some of your reports from teeth that you've tested and there's parasites in people's teeth abscess, like that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, yep. like you mentioned multiple times, everything is connected. It's crazy. So another question, this will be our last question, then we'll wrap things up from Gracie Millie. Um, <laughs> this is actually my mother-in-law. That's her Instagram handle. Um, shout out to Mary. She's asking, what is the definitive method or test to find if the root is infected when it comes to uh, teeth and root canals and all that fun stuff? Yeah, yeah. So um, as we talked about earlier, just if we consider the anatomy and what we understand of the physical nature of teeth, um, we understand how and why teeth become teeming with microbes within 30 days of a root canal. Now, a guy by the name of Boyd Haley, who was um, a teacher and researcher, I believe in Kentucky, uh, you know, in the 2000s, did research looking at um, how infected teeth roots were that it had root canals versus, and we're talking like thousands of teeth, literally like over 5,000 teeth. Whoa. He tested over 5,000 teeth with root canals for their level of toxicity and which biological human enzymes they would disrupt and compared them to teeth that had been extracted, which were healthy teeth, for orthodontic purposes. Huh. And they found that teeth that were taken out for orthodontic purposes wouldn't shut down any of the na natural enzymes because they're healthy teeth. Every single one of the teeth that had had root canal therapy had enough 
microbial infection, if you want to call it that, or, you know, uh, invasion perhaps might be a good word for it. Yeah. That they would block the normal enzymes that, that our human bodies needed for energy production. Wow. You know, I've seen that in, you know, I send a lot of roots and bone samples to a lab that's also in Denver called uh, DNA Connections. Uh-huh. And every single sample I've ever sent to them is teeming with microbes. And what's interesting is that I don't send them anything that existed inside the mouth. I only send the part of the root that was in the bone because I don't want the, wow. yeah. the false positive of something that, you know, cause somebody will say, well, you know, there's bugs in the mouth. It's like, all right, I'm just going to cut off the roots. I'm going to wipe the exterior with ozonated water, you know, so I kill everything on the outside because I want to find out wow. just what's on the inside. Wow. I mean, that's so, saying a lot. So all those reports that you see, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Jeez. So how, so what is the, the method for testing then? Does it have to do with the enzymes? Does it have to do like, um, I mean, I, I think she might be referring to like before you actually get the root canal, how, yep. how do you test yep. to know that it, that it is infected, that it needs to be removed? Like what, what process? Well, so pe- period, any tooth with a root canal will have microbes inside of it. What do we do? What do we consider infection, right? If your body's lymphatic system is draining it off, faster than your bone can dissolve away from it, we might call that that health, right? Because on an x-ray, we don't see any bone change. So the the simple answer to your question is, if you've had a root canal, it's it's filled with microbes, period. You know, if that, if you want to know whether that is creating a health burden or not, I would first start looking at what are the health issues you're dealing with and are they connected to those teeth and meridians? I would secondarily consider doing some energetic testing either with like an EAV type of system like acupuncture meridian assessment, electrodermal screening, um, or you could do some sort of muscle testing. Um, Both would work well. But so suffice to say, if it's had a root canal, there are microbes. Yep. Whether those microbes are creating a biological burden for any one person, we don't know for sure. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that'll round out listener questions. Not, not black and white. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing is black and white. That's for absolute, that's for absolute sure. Um, but let's, let's round, round these things out. I want to ask you, um, what is your number one tip or trick for people to take away from this conversation or nugget of wisdom, or if there's just one thing that you want people to understand about your work, about health, about biological dentistry, this full picture, what would that one thing be? Yeah. I'm going to give you two. I always give two. Perfect. Let's do it. Cause you know, why not? Right. <laughs> um, one is, and we were touching on it recently here is, um, I wish that people would recognize the value of finding that parasympathetic state of their lives, you know, because we are in this constant, you know, energy assault state, you know, um, whether it's what we allow into ourselves from the emotions of others, what we're hearing from social media, what we're hearing on the traditional media. I mean, just all this stuff, um, I mean, you know, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. And I mean, 
things were easier, they were slower. And I feel like life generally had more space um, for resting and digesting. And I think that it's really um, undervalued how important it is to take time for yourself. Uh, you know, so that's one thing. Because, yeah. and in truth, from an oral health standpoint, if you're resting and digesting, you'll literally be healthier. You'll have better saliva. If you have better saliva, um, you know, your teeth will be healthier. I mean, it's just, it's a whole um, connected kind of a concept. The second thing that I would share is that if you have had a dental experience and, and let's say you had a or you had a root canal or you had wisdom teeth out and you know in your gut there's a problem my experience has been 100 percent of the time there's a problem right yeah so my my advice to people is honor your truth don't discount what you understand to be true for yourself because a dentist tells you it's not possible in their estimation that is usually a a, a, a it is most likely um, an example of their own ignorance. And that's okay because we're all ignorant to plenty of things. You know, it just means we're human. Yeah. Um, but don't let their lack of understanding dissuade you from validating your own truth. Uh, there are people like myself out there, or you can always come to Portland, Oregon, and my team and I will, will be glad to be of service. You have to honor your own truth because you know it's real. You know what's going on. Um, that's how you get to the root of health issues, not by, you know, giving that responsibility over to a healthcare provider right. and asking for them to be responsible for your, you know, how you feel. Um, Absolutely. So I would encourage those two things. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And I couldn't agree more with both of them. <laughs> um, so how can people work with you directly? You. I know you mentioned dental tourism. People can come out to see you. Um, tell us a little bit about that. If people are in Portland or if people want to fly out, what would, what does that look like? Because oral medicine and, and, you know, particularly oral medicine is a, it's a tricky one. We can't read blood results and tell you what's going on in your mouth. Right. Right. Um, so it, it generally is a, a relationship where people choose to fly out or drive out or, or travel and whatever, whether it's five minutes away or, you know, 5,000 miles away, um, they generally will come in and, you know, frankly, like Portland's a great place to visit despite what you've heard on the news over the yeah. last year. Um, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. We got the Pacific ocean and mountains and it, you know, it's glorious. Um, especially this time of year when the sun starts coming out, but, um, usually people will email, uh, at info at bdcpdx.com. They can just go to our website, really, uh, blodgettdentalcare.com and start a, an email conversation with us there. We do have, I, during at the start of COVID, I started this thing on our website called Ask BDC, where people can... Um, submit questions and pay a certain fee for me to either email them back my thoughts on their situation or um, some people choose to pay a little more and do a video consultation with me um, that's getting harder and harder for me to do with my time but you yeah. know just because we're we're so busy here and uh you know i still have a family that i want to be with yeah uh, 
but yeah, I mean, generally emailing us, I, I mean, I have one, one team member uh, named Heidi, who is our specific new patient coordinator and her job is to, you know, initiate and establish those relationships. Um, and we, I'll tell you, one of the things that people would like to hear, I, I suspect is, you know, we commit one full day a week where all we do is see new patients. We don't do anything else that day. We, you know, we don't do, we don't have burrs whirring or lasers firing or anything. We literally stop all, everything else to just be present for human beings that choose to prioritize their oral health. And that's all we do that day. And that's awesome. that process is, has been one of the biggest game changers in how we have helped people get healthy. Um, and, and it, you know, it came about from loving, caring team members on my team that said, Hey, you know, I feel like we could give people more in terms of their new patient experience and, and get to the bottom of their health issues better by just stopping everything else. And so we're like, you know, Hey, we're a private practice. We can do whatever we want. Let's try it. Yeah. And, uh, it's been a real blessing. That's amazing. Real blessing. So, but, and I would also encourage your listeners if they haven't already to, you know, just, uh, uh, of course, please follow, not only follow what I'm sharing with uh, my team and I are sharing on Instagram, but also please share our, uh, Instagram with every person that, you know, because if we want to change the way that people are experiencing uh, oral health care in this world, we have got to let them know that there are other options. And, you know, I'm one of the few people out there banging this drum. Yeah. So I need their help. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And so I'll tag all of these things into the show notes, your website, emails, everything that you mentioned. So people listening, you can just flip onto the blog page for this podcast episode and easily find all of that information to stay connected with Dr. Kelly and uh, his team at Blodgett. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for this chat. This was amazing. I'm so excited to just blast this out to however many people we can reach and just spread the word of the amazing work that you're doing and the importance of it. And just to, again, like just harp on the fact that everything is so bio-individual, um, individualized and everything is connected. And if you're going to have that holistic approach to health, you absolutely can't skip over your dental health. I think a lot of people think of the teeth and the bones as being <laughs> separate, but they are, as you mentioned, they're interconnected to our lymphatic system, our cardiovascular system, hits the bloodstream and everything goes systemic. So what's going on in the teeth and in those bones and in the mouth is is going to affect us systemically. So can't thank you enough. Appreciate you so much. And thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Kate. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found something encouraging, supportive, educational, or inspirational from tuning in today. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast or left us a review, I would love to hear from you. You can keep in touch with me over on Instagram at whatkate8 or connect with me through my website at katekroll.com. Looking forward to our next episode and I hope you have a wonderful day.